and welcome to Strange Pathways. Thank you for joining us this week. Thank you for joining us again. If you're a repeat listener, if it's your first time here, welcome. Um, it's been kind of a tough week. I hope you're having. I hope you're having a good week. But it's it's been a tough one for me. My friend Walter uh, has been really dealing with a lot of health issues. But we finally got some good news just a few days ago. No need for a liver transplant. If you've got the time, please send my good buddy Walter good vibes, prayers, anything you can do would be greatly appreciated. He's, he's a good man, and I want him to be my friend for many, many years to come. I had a request to do The Legend of the Ratman of Southend. As I dug deeper and deeper into this, I was hoping to, to find something, a few sightings. Uh, really, really all I got about this urban legend that seems to be centered around South End-on-Sea, Essex, was the tale of the urban legend. It, it, it felt very much like Bloody Mary, the Candyman legend, the Bunny Man of Alexandria. It, it was a thing... A story that maybe had some truth, but was really just there to scare people. As I dug deeper and deeper, I, I came across two legends about the Ratman of South End. Now, the one, which seemed to be the most common, was that this was a homeless old man who would go underneath an underpass and he would escape from the rain the cold, the snow at nights, and he was old. He was barely able to walk. Something, something that I'm very familiar with. Uh, he's underneath this underpass one night, and this group of teenagers beat him close to death. What do you steal from a homeless man? What? What? do you take that hurts him they take his blanket this blanket is the only real source of warmth the that this man has the story goes that as he's dying from his injuries he's not able to fight off the rats that overtake him that night And they eat the soft parts of his face. A few months later, locals going underneath the underpass, they hear the high-pitched squeal of rats. They hear the sound of fingernails dragging along the walls. Now, the... The other version of this story is that the mayor was kind of out doing his own thing with people who should have been his wife but wasn't. One of his lovers births a grotesque child. A baby with a, with a snout and a tail like that of a rat. And as this baby grows... It develops a taste for human flesh. The mayor, 
not wanting to kill his child, not wanting his child to be seen, constructs this overpass. And somewhere in this overpass is a concealed entrance to the chamber. The home of the rat man. And at night he emerges and feasts. None of it's true. Not a lick of it. The only sighting, uh, and I use that word loosely, the only sighting of the rat man that I could find was on the no sleep section of Reddit. No sleep. Once you're on no sleep, you're supposed to act like everything's true. But between you and me, seeing as that we're not on no sleep right now, everything there is works of fiction. Some of them very wonderful works of fiction, but fiction nonetheless. As I said, this story reminded me of tales of Candyman, Bloody Mary, what have you. It also reminded me of a tale that I heard growing up in the late 70s, early 80s. It was said that if you drove the back roads of Washington, Pennsylvania, you would see this thing. It was called the Green Man. Some said it was a ghost. Some said it was a deformed being that lived in the woods. He glowed green as a result of being struck by lightning. No face. That's what some of the locals called him, Charlie No Face. He would chase away the people that were parking there. If you happened to be walking down the road and Charlie No-Face saw you, you were to turn around and run, run for your life and never return. That part about the green man scaring people off, it's pretty much a lie as well. The part about the lightning, though, I've heard it said before, a child once told me this, and I love it, that a myth and a, or a legend, I'm paraphrasing now, a myth or a legend is the truth wrapped in a lie. And that's exactly what the green man is. The green man is the truth wrapped in a lie. Because in 1919, Raymond Robinson was eight years old. Now, Raymond was living in Beaver Falls at the time. He was with his friends. He was going to go swimming in the local river. One of his friends said, uh, I dare you. Hey, Ray, I dare you to go out to the top of that railroad trestle. Count the number of eggs in that bird's nest. Even at the time, 
Eight-year-old Ray wasn't one to back down. And so he did. He accidentally grabbed the live power line and was electrocuted. His eyes and nose were burned away. Part of his arm had to be amputated. Didn't have a lot of hair on his head. All the doctors thought that Ray Robinson was going to die, but he didn't. Ray Robinson, ever the fighter, Ray Robinson survived. He was left without eyes, of course, couldn't see. But he did his best. He lived with family in the town called Koppel. And he would walk through the woods just to relax. But in the 1950s, that, those woods were cut down for mining. So now he started taking walks in the night, just not to be stared at, along New Galilee Road. He was blind. Like I said, no eyes. But he was able to find his way very cleverly. He would make sure that one foot was on the edge of the road, one foot was on the gravel. He actually walked by sense of touch and sound. This was a man who was well loved, mostly. After the initial fears, the braver of them found a wonderful friend in Ray. They'd go visit him. They'd walk with him, take him a beer, some cigarettes. More and more people would show up. There were some Saturday nights where over a hundred cars would be parked along Galilee Road. They just want to see the green man. They just want to see Ray. And there are jerks among us too. There were a few occasions where someone would pick him up. Someone would talk him into getting into their car. And he was left stranded. There was a few times he was beaten up. Humans can be real scum, can't we? 30 years, the green man, Ray Robinson, Charlie No-Face, walked these roads for 30 years. A living, breathing, urban legend. All Ray wanted in life was a beer, a cigarette, and a quiet life. Eventually, Ray did have to move to a nursing home. And then he passed away in 1985. If you go over to the Strange Pathways Facebook page, I'm going to have a few photos of Raymond Theodore Robinson. 
living legend. Our next tale comes to us from the magazine Action, the May 1953 issue. A little aside here. Whenever I'm feeling down and depressed, I like to look at the covers of men's action magazines from the 1950s. You will never see in your life a more testosterone-fueled rampage of masculinity as you will out of 1950s men's magazine covers. This comes from the magazine Action. I'm going to have I'm going to have the cover to the May 1953 issue of Action magazine up on the Facebook page. And I can say truthfully it's it's one of the calmer covers that I've seen. And still pretty testosterone fueled. Inside the pages of Action May 1953, you're going to find a, an article called I Rode a Flying Saucer. Fred Reagan, the pilot, he was piloting a single-engine Piper Cub, July 1951, and he sees this pulsating, lozenge-shaped object. He can't go up, he can't go down, left, right, it just appears out of nowhere. There's no physical way to avoid this. And he crashes into the object. Strangely, though, the plane stays airborne. He's He's able to see this because he has been thrown clear of the plane. He is falling. And as he's falling, he's looking at his shattered airplane just floating in the sky. Pretty soon, Fred Reagan, he's not falling anymore either. He, he says he's, he's enveloped by a strange, sticky, clinging force. And it slows him. It stops him. And then it begins to pull him toward the object and into the object. He finds himself inside this room. It's hard to see. Very dimly lit. He looks around. And there's these... These strange things. He says they look like... Huge stalks... Of metallic asparagus. And then... Fred realizes... These aren't objects... These aren't machines. These are creatures. Three foot tall, glistening, metallic, walking stalks 
of asparagus. I know what I would do. I have an inkling of what you would do. And Fred does it as well. Fred faints. When Fred is revived, he hears this voice come over a loudspeaker. It's apologizing for the accident. We didn't mean any harm. We are here on a mission of peace. All we're doing is observing your civilization because it's so primitive. And they're sorry. They want to give him a medical examination. And they said, you're healthy. Except for one thing, we found cancer. We found a tumor. And they said this tumor was, and I quote, adjusted as a slight reparation for the loss that we have caused you. Fred Reagan is then told, don't tell anyone No one's going to believe that metallic asparagus cured your cancer in their flying craft. He's right. They're not. Reagan passes out, regains consciousness again, and this time he finds himself in a very normal hospital bed. He was told that he has been lying in a farmer's cornfield. And close to it, his wrecked Piper Cub jammed six feet into the ground. The story in action concludes with Atlanta... May 16th, Fred Reagan, who made headlines last year when he claimed to have been visited by a flying saucer, died today in the state asylum for the insane. Cause of death was determined to be degeneration of brain tissue due to extreme atomic radiation. Authorities are unable to offer an explanation. As fun as the story is, as wonderful as the story is, minus the death, it looks like this exists only in the author's mind. A UFO researcher named Glemser, he he wrote the Georgia State Department of Public Health. He wanted a copy of the certificate of death, that sort of thing for Fred Reagan. And they checked every possible spelling of Fred Reagan. No person in their files. No aircraft accident reports were ever uncovered. And the civilian group MUFON there, the Pennsylvania state director for that group, MUFON, T. Scott Crane Jr., at the time, 
he uh he was unable to find anything at all which could go one of two ways maybe this did happen and the government destroyed all traces of it but you think they would do that right away as much as I want this story to be true I lean towards fiction but I want you to consider something else Maybe the reason that the Atlanta asparagus, the Georgia stocks UFO case still exists on blogs, in books. Maybe the reason it still exists is to muddy the waters. It, it would be there just to act as one more thing that has to be filtered out in order for us to get to the truth. It can be frustrating. It can be very, very frustrating. I know I was frustrated whenever you you dig and you dig and you spend hours and hours and hours looking into a story only to find one half-hidden article in the corner of the web or a little footnote in a magazine, an addendum at the end of a book letting you know, yeah, that story complete fabrication there wasn't even a Fred Reagan breathing air at the time Fred Reagan exists in the realm of the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and it's left there to discourage us from finding the real truth for our final tale of the night We're going to go to one of my favorite subjects, Skinwalker Ranch. If there's any place on this earth that is cursed, I really believe it to be Skinwalker Ranch. I've had my own odd occurrence with Skinwalker Ranch in a very roundabout way. I am a long-time listener to Coast to Coast AM. And one night I was listening. And I heard George Knapp talking about the book that he's written. The entire show was about Skinwalker Ranch. The first time I'd ever heard of it. This odd place that is just anything that's paranormal that could happen does happen there. Bigfoot, 
predator creatures, interdimensional wormholes, cryptids, curses, UFOs, on and on and on. It's like this nexus of the paranormal. Right then and there, I knew I needed to read this book. My first wife, her friend Stephen, and I, we went to a large bookstore about an hour away, Greensburg, Pennsylvania, the Barnes and Noble. And I walk in. I go right to the front counter. And I said, Do you have a copy of Hunt for the Skinwalker? They look it up on their computer. No. Not there. All sold out. So, I go back to the unexplained section. I look some stuff over. I look for Hunt for the Skinwalker. I I look for anything with Skinwalker in the title, and there is nothing. It's a relatively unknown phenomena at this point in history. So we walk away. We go to the little coffee shop in there. We have a coffee. Talk a bit. A little thing in the back of my mind says, go back and check one more time. My wife thinks I'm insane. Steve thinks I'm a little off too. So I go back. And there, sitting on the bookshelf. All three of us saw it at the same time. Hunt for the Skinwalker. Well, you know I bought that book. That book was placed there for me. And I devoured that book several times over. I'm not a fan of the television show, the new reality Skinwalker Ranch. But the phenomena that happens there fascinates me. From the amazing phantomsandmonsters.com there is a new account coming out of Uintah County, Utah a gentleman writes in saying his friend drives tractor trailer for a few years one night he was driving his rig late, late at night in northeast Utah Something's odd. He feels very, very, very alert. He kind of sees something at the end of his lights. Not on the road, next to it. It's something kind of big. He decides he needs to come to a stop grabs his heavy-duty flashlight 
and points it where he thinks he saw this. The light hits it and he sees this humanoid creature crouching over a dead coyote, just taking mouthfuls of the dead coyote. It did not like being noticed. It stands up. It's giant, pale, hairless, huge eyes, well over six foot, skinny little limbs, no clothing, coyote blood all over its face. Driver's terrified. He doesn't have a weapon. All he has is this really long flashlight. We all know the type. Long, black, kind of looks like a billy club. This creature starts to shuffle slowly towards the truck. The driver does what we would all do. He hits the gas, leaves. He looks in his rearview mirror, and this creature is standing in the middle of the road on two legs. He gets to the nearest truck stop. Just needs to rest. He needs to shake this off. He sees two truckers talking, looking pretty shook up themselves. They both saw it too. Thank you for joining us again this week on Strange Pathways. If you're so inclined, please go over to our Facebook page. We're going to have a whole bunch of images over there pertaining to the tales we told you today. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please do so at strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. Once again, prayers for my buddy Walter. I love this guy like a brother. I want him around for a long time to come. Just knowing the story of the green man of Pittsburgh, we know, you and I both know, that good people, they're pretty few and far between. Walter's one of the good ones. Please keep him right here with us where we need him. And as always, take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you.